in later words, we say, okay, she's angry, so she's a bitch, you know? <laughs> and if little boys later growing into men show anger, then um, they are becoming predators right away. Huh? So there's this big imprint of you cannot be, you can't feel that. And um, it's all stored in the body. Welcome back to another episode. I am super excited to have Sunny with us today. I've been wanting to do this topic for a while, so I'm really, really happy to have you. So Sunny Jew is an embodiment educator focusing on de-armoring and pleasure, and we're thrilled to have you with us all the way from Mexico. Thank you, Mel, for having me. I'm really excited to be here and share this time and share wisdom, knowledge and pleasure, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're talking about de-armoring today. And I think it's a concept many people haven't even heard of. Some people have heard a little about. And I'm wondering, before we kind of get into that, nitty gritty. If you could share a little bit about your path, how did you get to where you are now? What happened that had you inspired to, to, to be who you are now? Yes. Um, yeah. How to put that into just a few words. Um, so let me start um, in a time when I have been married and I've been really unsatisfied and unhappy in this marriage. So uh, we were together for four years. Uh, at that time, we didn't really have a sex life anymore. And I've been kind of, yeah, just not wanting to look at it and focusing on other things. So building a house and doing whatever projects to not look at what's really happening in my life. At some point we got divorced and um, then I've lost like 20 kilos. So I really released so much armor. I've been gaining weight in this marriage and I felt so alive again. And um, I was thinking about what do I really want from a relationship? How do I want to live my life? Do I want to live without having a sex life? Do I want to live actually without real intimacy in this? And um I've been having chronic pain for many years also. So I've been working a lot with body work and learning different modalities. And of course, then I've had this corporate world job. So a lot of things in my life were about functioning and performance as my marriage was. Um, so I went uh, and got a Tantra massage, actually. And this... Uh, in this Tantra massage, um, well, I came in and I said, okay, I would love to receive pleasure. And uh, I feel so numbed out and like not connected with me. And uh, I also had issues to have orgasms. So I didn't have orgasms for many years. And it just opened up a whole new portal for me. And um, in this Tantra massage, part of that was uh, Yoni de-armoring. And I just got so curious about it. And then I went on the path of exploring Tantra and uh, exploring the body, exploring this idea of um, there is blocked energy in my body. And um, it's all this blocked energy is also connected to my behaviors in life. And it's affecting my relationships and my life force energy, my joy. So how can I unblock it and how can I come really into my body and, and have a different life. And then the story went on. So all the educations, all the trainings, all the self-explorations, changing from a super high professional corporate woman, overweighted in an unhappy relationship without sex life, into really working with my passion now and supporting people who are stuck in that or similar situations, no matter if they're in a female or male body. And really seeing that it goes so fast to just get it what it is and how we can like 
use our body and and heal ourselves mm. with support. Yeah, I really liked what you said about it really touched me when you said that you were in your marriage and instead of focusing on the sex life that wasn't working, you said, well, well, I'll build a house. I will kick ass in my career. I'll do other things to not yes. really get this part that's not happening and maybe the pain around that. Because yes. I know a lot of my clients have a lot of pain around not having a sex life, either being single and not having a sex life, maybe feeling deprived or being in relationship and not having a sex life, which is its own kind of hell. And I'm wondering, yes. you know, did you get, I'm just curious very briefly about the divorce part. Did you initiate that? Did he initiate that? And did it have to do with your sex life? Because it's a brave thing ultimately to end a relationship because something's not working. A lot of times relationships have momentum and it's hard to end them. Yeah. So in this case, he actually cheated on me. And um, he was like building up a parallel life for three months with another woman and not telling me about it and also not telling her about me. <laughs> and this is actually also how our relationship started. But um, at that time, I was the, the woman on the other side, not knowing about that there is another one. So it's like almost ridiculous. And um, yeah, it was like a huge shock for me. And then um, the separation came really, I came home at night and my, my husband wasn't there. And I was like, something is wrong here. And all of a sudden I saw all the little signs, what has been going on. Why is he taking his cell phone, going to the toy, into the bathroom to for one hour? Like these things, why is he disappearing for hours? Well, where is, where is he? What's going on? And, um, and then I lost all this weight and I've been like trying to lose weight. I was so unhappy for months and months and months and nothing happened. My body was really clinging onto it. And, and uh, I just became so relieved. So really, really relieved. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for this, that it happened. Because also looking at the approach of getting into the marriage, I was trying to outsource safety to my ex-husband. I really married him for this. I wanted him to make me feel safe and that doesn't work. So in the end, I got the ultimate feeling of unsafety to then being able to create that within myself, huh? which is uh, the start of everything, the foundation for how I'm living my life. So yeah, very ugly end and very, yeah, lucky and happy also. So I'm usually saying I'm happily divorced. You know? mm. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you spoke to that too, because that is um, a betrayal. And I know that many of my clients have gone through betrayal. And I'm I'm curious to hear, you know, more about your your journey and how you support others who've been through betrayal, because I would imagine that part of the de-armoring process has to do with that that stuck energy, because I think there's a way that we yes. break we brace our bodies against pain. We brace mm -hmm. our bodies against something like betrayal. And when it happens to us, I think many of us will go into a freeze state or something will happen where we'll clench our bodies and we might not even realize that we're doing that, but it, it, you know, I think you can speak to this more eloquently than I, but that stays in our tissues a lot of the time, right? We're, we're holding a lot in the tissues and the, and the muscles and the fascia of our physical bodies that we don't even realize is happening. But what we do realize is we're kind of uncomfortable a lot, right? Or to your point, we have chronic pain or we have anxiety. Or we, have, we know we're uncomfortable, but we're not connecting that to past betrayals or you know, things that have happened to us in our past. We don't connect those dots. So I'm curious to, you know, to hear from you in, in your work with yourself, but also your clients, have you noticed that as they're going through de-armoring that they, they do have memories or they have a sense of what this, what this block is or what this pain is that's being released? Yes. Um, so when I'm looking back at my marriage, and I would have met me <laughs> as a de-armoring practitioner trying to support us as a couple before. 
um, that would have been great because also this betrayal is just channeling of an un of, of blocked energy trying to find a way out and instead of working with it finding a way around and the energy has to go somewhere yeah and this um was uh, i think uh, like a starvation on an emotional level and also a starvation on a sexual level which my ex-husband was was looking for so where can i find what i'm not having without even really consciously knowing what he was doing so we would have needed someone who would have worked with us with with um, our physical bodies and why we are dead and alive at the same time in our relationship with not having sexuality because then i can also be with my brother or my best friend right <laughs> And um, so working with clients today, um, sometimes uh, when the armor is being released and armor can be stored, not only in the physical body, also in the emotional body, in the energetical body, in the mental, spiritual, pranic body. So it has many ways how it manifests. In the end, it is energy that is stuck in some way. And um, it can be connected to a direct memory. So sometimes, for example, I was dearmoring a client and we were working with a theme of, of fear that came up very strongly. So uh, it was a full body dearmoring. That's like the layer before you go into sexual dearmoring. So we are starting from the outside, like an onion. And we were working with the psoas muscle. And the psoas muscle is the is our core muscle. So it's connecting our spine with our legs, our hips, and we needed to move. And the psoas stores fear, we say, because we needed to run away. So when the tiger comes, we need that muscle. Otherwise, we can't run. And also, if we are making love, we need that muscle because if we want to have orgasms, we need to move the hips. No way to move the hips without the psoas or a really blocked psoas. Um, so <laughs> I'm doing these little journeys to try to explain things at the same time. Working with psoas, all of a sudden, my client went into a really, really deep space and I felt all this sadness while I was touching him and then he had a huge release of tears and tears and tears. And he told me later that he just got a memory back from when he was three and they removed his appendix. And it must have been really, really violent. So he remembers this moment when they took him to the hospital and there were the parents were gone and there was this bright light and there was pain and everything went fast and he was lost. Yeah. And that came out and it really connected him. So it's like this memory, which he was not able to integrate as a three years old, as a little boy being left alone, being in hands of whatever strangers just came back into his body. And um, when we were talking later, we always have um, integration talks after sessions and also after trainings. Um, we just said that it created a space of really huge tenderness and also different feeling of safety in his body mm. so this can be it that a memory comes up that's directly connected also sexual abuse is very common um, or any kind of deprivation so little boys for example they if we compare little boys with little little girls you know little boys get so much less touch and physical affection than little girls and i'm just getting bull goosebumps in this moment because every time i think about it, it just makes me cry you know and um why is that so it starts in such an early stage where these little humans you know they're just smaller humans <laughs> and they just need the same love and and affection and attention yeah and they don't get it so ah uh, not to speak about emotions like anger. So what happens when um, when little little boys and little girls are are getting angry? So if I'm angry as a little girl, then I'm 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 not behaving. So or later in later words we say, okay, she's angry, so she's a bitch, you know. <laughs> and if little boys later growing into men show anger, then um, they are becoming predators right away. So there's this big imprint of you cannot be, you can't feel that. And um, it's all stored in the body. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you spoke to that, especially about not getting enough affection and not getting enough physical touch and, and mm -hmm. affection and attention. And I would say a good 
you know, 30 to 50% of my clients at least are children of neglect. They were neglected yeah. as children and they don't necessarily realize it and they don't understand later on the effect of that or the impact of that. You know, a lot of the impact of that is they want to connect with the people they're sexually interested in, but they feel somehow distant or separate. And so a lot of them will have what my co-coach and I call super crushes, right? They'll have a super crush on someone, but they won't really be able to do anything about it. So they'll, so there's this distance, there's a distance. And even sometimes in relationship, it will feel like there's a distance, there's an emotional distance, or there's even a physical distance. It doesn't feel like that close nurturing intimacy. Really we're talking yes. intimacy and, you know, part of the reason I wanted to have you on and, and what I love about your work and just the work of de-armoring in general is there's only so far we can go in talk therapy. There's only so much we can talk about closeness <laughs> or intimacy or sexual sexuality. Ultimately it's in the body. And so we have to work with the body. And I think that that story is a great example of trauma, physical and emotional trauma doesn't have to be what you think it is. Like this man yeah. probably not have identified that an appendicitis at three years old is part of why he can't connect sexually with women now or whoever his partners were can't connect sexually now. It just would not occur to his brain. It doesn't because it's not happening in the brain. It's happening in the physical body, the physical body at that time clenched and held and was scared and had all of this, this response that lasts and lasts. And, and so, you know, you mentioned how quickly it can move when you're actually moving the body and working with the body. I'm curious if you can speak a little bit to, if you know, if you are aware of that client's journey after that, what his relationships are, how, you know, how, how long do you work with people is, is a question that's related to this, right? Did you just do one session with this man? Did you do several sessions? How does that work on a practical level? And, and did mm -hmm. you see any changes? Yes. Um, with this particular client, uh, we've had five sessions and um, I'm these days working only in, I call it a series of sessions. So I'm starting to take in uh, a client uh, starting from three sessions onwards, because I really made this experience that if you want to go deep into the process, uh, the body needs time. And we're talking about a nervous system because you could say you could put it all together and say the trauma is stored in our nervous system and the effects are in the physical body, in the emotional body, in the behaviors and so on and so on. So if you want to work with the nervous system and release the so-called pain body, that's the, you know, where, where we store the pain to then access the bliss body later, <laughs> um, you need to create safety first. So it needs a connection between me as a practitioner or as a therapist and my client. And we need to see what's really around and work with general like emotions first, with fear, with resentment, with sadness, or let's say with a body without being sexual, because we don't know. And also sexual trauma is not only stored in sexual organs. Sexual trauma is stored in the nervous system. So it can come out at any time. And the pain body is really smart. So it really has, it has a job. It needs to hold on the pain. It needs to store it. So how can we uh, convince the pain body? We need to invite it. I need to say, come here. It is safe. You can, you can get there. And really work with this feeling of safety and especially for male-bodied person with being held. And there is uh, something about surrendering and dropping into softness and tenderness. To have an intimacy with yourself first, right? And say, okay, this is where I am. And what does intimacy mean? So three sessions up to 10 sessions is usually the, the way. And then it really depends uh, how much uh, time does the client have? Which frequency do we need? And usually it's not only coming for a session, going home. It's coming for a session, having a talk, uh, 
feeling into where is it burning the most? What's happening in the life? Where do they feel stuck, numb? What's not working, especially in their relationships? Are they living their sexualities? Uh, are they are they porn addicted? Are they you know what are their compensation decompensation strategies? And then really work with the body and breathe and take it really really slow instead of going for fast release. Yeah, so that's that's one way. And then there might be like homework, like practices in between the sessions where it's really about looking at the life or maybe working with uh, exercises, practice. So it really depends. And um, then it also depends on um, how the resource situation of the client is. So it might be that a lot is coming up and it needs time to integrate so we always have checkups in between okay where are we what's needed you know maybe something else is burning more and we need to go to more intense process maybe trauma is extremely activated because something came up so maybe we get another practitioner and work for example with hypnotherapy to uh, create another safety so it's like working with a whole team in the background and um, that's one way to have these individual sessions and sometimes also having the partner involved uh, and see what's happening there. What's happening between these two humans? So they have sex maybe, but they are not having intimacy. So there's this huge gap of, of things. They, they do something, but they do not really feel what they are doing. So how can we create this space together? So working with only one person, doesn't work when you really want to save your relationship or lift it up to a different level of intimacy and connection and then a fulfilling sex life and another way is to join uh, one of my trainings so these trainings are a week long we have two modules the first one is non-sexual dearming or not sexual body parts and the second one thinking of the onion are then the sexual body parts and in these trainings, it's the same path, no matter if you are on your personal development journey or if you are want to become a practitioner, you need to go through the process. And being one week in a container with other humans, other nervous systems, being held in that, creating this safety and, and feeling everything that's happening in the space it's just a huge accelerator or amplifier for the process. So after a week, you can see people come out and they have different movement patterns. So they uh, are having a different posture. I, for example, I'm two centimeters taller these days because the whole uh, trauma releases all of that decompressed my body. And I'm walking in a different way. My chest is more up and open, you know. Um, and the eyes are more clear. Face expressions are completely changing. So it's crazy what can happen in a week. And then it's time to go into the next layer and really focus on and the sexuality. So what about that? You know? And then in the second module, we can de-armor sexual parts. And it's the same in a session, right? We start from the outside and then we go really deep. Yes. And yeah, I'd love to pause on the the first part the you know maybe not sexual body parts what is the difference between what we're talking about in terms of body de-armoring and massage because I think a lot of people will think oh it's just a nice massage (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a good question um so the armoring is definitely not a massage and there are techniques used which you might also use in a massage. So we are working with uh, certain trigger points and areas of the body and um, the intention is really, really an important uh, theme here. And We do that really, really slow and use breath, sound and movement with that and really feel about what's going on. And um, so we apply pressure for uh, a little while and see if there's any release while the client is breathing and feeling and feeling and feeling. And we scan more or less the whole body with that. And usually when I'm looking at a client and client is walking into my treatment room the first time, I know already. So the body is changing the posture 
and it's holding the armor. So there's something rigid somewhere. And I'm just like, mm -hmm, okay, let's see later when I have you in my hands. <laughs> um, so the armoring might um, include uh, just little touch. So working with uh, these different areas of the body, having a lot of breathing and then giving space to releasing the emotions. So really there might be crying, there might be a release of anger, there might be orgasm, you know, energies moving through the body like crazy. There might be laughing, like hysterical laughter. There might be really felt emotions or the body is, for example, just crying without a felt sadness so the body has so much wisdom and we give space to that and we bring the attention in other words it's actually a listening technique so i'm supporting my clients to listen to their body and i'm a very good listener so i hear there's something really 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 subtle and then i know and then i give the space for them to feel it mm -hmm. so a massage is uh, something i go there i get a massage I leave. And the armoring is a co-creation process. I go there, I yeah, let let my the armoring practitioner support me um, while I'm really I'm the boss, you know. So my client is the one who um, decides about the level of intensity. And intensity, it's not necessarily pain. So a lot of people think, just look at the word de-armoring. Well, it sounds kind of brutal. doesn't have to be painful. It can be also just like very pleasurable and surprising. Um, so we need a lot of curiosity to go on a journey and say, hey, okay, let's take a, I'll take the hand of my client and we walk and we see what's waiting for us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to, because, so people have trauma from a lot of different circumstances, and sometimes it's, let's talk about a male-bodied person who has mm -hmm. trauma from a, a female person, right, a woman, so mom or a caregiver or someone that was a woman, and maybe it was neglect, maybe it was actual abuse, whatever it was, you know, the, that process of trusting you, right. Trusting the, the practitioner with their body. I'm, I'm curious, you know, how, how does that work in terms of building that rapport or the trust between you two? Because again, I think with talk therapy, it can take quite a long time to build trust and rapport. Whereas with physical touch it's a different quality there's a difference yes. of I think it can be faster because there's more of a it's a just it's a different way of working so how, how has that worked for you you know we talked about betrayal for example for, for mm -hmm. a man undergone betrayal from a woman now he's he's showing up he's willing in his mind but maybe his body is scared or unsure or skeptical or you know, I'm sure you can feel that as a practitioner. How do you work with that particular mm -hmm. energetic? It starts with, um, it starts before the session starts. It starts with, uh, I'm connecting with my clients before they book a session. So they make a booking request and then I'm having a conversation with them, usually then via Zoom or something that, so that we can feel and see each other. And um, it's really about letting them also tune into it if I am the right person so if I feel for them like I am the right person and just giving the space to that and um, yeah it, there is a lot about giving space for them to be felt and to be heard and listened to yeah that's number one so there is no pressure and yeah when they walk into the room, um, then it, we are coming again to really strong nervous system level synchronization. So I'm, I'm someone with a very well-regulated nervous system. So, I mean, I've been doing nothing else for the last 20 years since I started to work with my trauma. And I have a lot of hours of psychotherapy, <laughs> which has been amazing. And then it reached its point where I reached a healing plateau. So we needed to, I needed to go to the body. 
And it's the same. So it's great to do the groundwork and then it's time to focus on the body. And um, so there is something about consent also. The wheel of consent. My teacher, Dr. Betty Martin, is an amazing, amazing, amazing concept. And um, there's a lot about expressing what they need, being hurt and um, yeah, feeling into that. And in the de-armoring, uh, we are coming to a space where there are very clear roles. So I am the one who is uh, in service for my client and the client is the receiver, right? So for a male-bodied person to really drop everything, come to the space of, wow, this is for me, for no one else, that's a game changer. And very often when that's clear, okay, so this is your role, you're the receiver, I am the one who's in service to you. So I'm on the giving part of this. And that's changing a lot already. And then it's about really feeling, yeah? When there is touch involved, how does this feel? Does it feel good? Is that comfortable? What do you want? So very often we start with a little practices from the wheel of consent to come into this deep listening and awareness practice. And uh, having check-ins. So every time when I feel something is off here, usually I feel that because my client doesn't feel safe for a moment anymore and I notice that and then it's about okay so what what is happening here and um, then we have check-ins so we are really walking this path together and it's creating a strong bonding and it's it's beautiful you know and I think there's something important about what you said with the trigger points because we know that the human body does store tension tends to store tension in some places more than others. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the psoas muscle. And I think part of the, part of the grace of going to a practitioner like you or someone who's trained is that, you know, where there's likely to be tension. Mm -hmm. And you're also reading the person's body as they're walking into the room. Like you said, a skilled somatic practitioner can feel and sense and see what's happening with someone's body without them having to say a bunch of things. It's like, okay, that's, I can see that there's a little imbalance between the legs, or I can see that there's not a lot of breath happening all across the chest or back. There's a lot of rigidity up in this area. And, and that tends, you know, you mentioned the healing plateau with, I I believe you're talking about talk therapy, psychotherapy. Yes. And there's, in my experience, somatic therapies like this can be a lot faster because there's not that same runway of trying to understand or get to know or using the mind to get this sort of like, well, I can see it right there, right? It's the the way that your hips move or the way your hips are not moving. I know I'm going to be working with the psoas. I already know. When we, yes. when we get on the table, I know where I'm going. And then, like you said, it's a matter of um, relaxing into that and, and perhaps using those trigger points. So I'm just curious if you can walk us through just a few of the common ones that you notice, particularly with male-bodied people, mm-hmm. where the tension is stored and where, where are you working frequently? Yes. Um, so one of the... Let me come back to the onion if we are starting with the session uh, or with the first, uh, same in the training. Um, So the psoas muscle is the one which is storing, uh, which is really one of the main ones. So there is a lot of, usually a lot of fear, which doesn't mean that there has to be only fear, but this is usually what comes up there. Um, then we are working with the solar plexus area, which is about um, like power in life, power in relationships. Um, then the whole chest area is everything around the heart, you know, betrayal, sadness, grief is sitting there. And also this, you know, when we are breathing, the diaphragm is helping us to breathe. Like starving our own body. We are not giving life force because prana, breath, is nothing else than life force to our body. So where is the will to live around the diaphragm? Am I giving my body the nourishment it needs with every breath? Am I saying yes to life? 
Um, the legs are also a really interesting area. <laughs> um, they are like an extension of the sexual organ. So we are coming closer to, again, sexuality. Um, what else do we have? I mean, there are so many like areas in the body. Another really good one, uh, especially for male-bodied persons, is everything around the face. So we have the masseter muscle. That's the muscle we use for chewing. And it's actually the strongest muscle we are having in our body. Um, <laughs> and this masseter muscle, so having someone in your face for receiving the arm ring is really a strong energetic thing, you know, because also this is the only way where we cannot communicate with words during the arm ring because you better not speak while someone is pressing your uh, masseter muscle, right? Uh, so we need to find a way to communicate. And it, this is about frustration and resentment. So you see it when someone is coming in and they are like chewing already and this muscle is really strong. It's like, okay, there is something sitting there. And then this muscle is connected uh, with the anus also. So you could actually say that you can do an anal dearmoring through the masseter muscle without even touching the, the anus, you know. There is, it goes straight to the rooting. Right. And when you're saying the masseter muscle, you're talking about the jaw. Just to be clear, because yes. Can, yeah. So if you um, if you um, this this is a good thing. So we we can do this practice together. So if you put your like a few fingers into your uh, onto your jaw a little bit higher than the chin line under the cheeks, and then you chew a little bit. So you clench your teeth, and you feel something is moving there. And you put the thumb on it, and it's still moving. Your thumb is moving up and down, a little bit. Yeah, you can go up and down. And this is the masseter muscle. Yeah, so it's uh, it's also really a good practice to massage it yourself, you know, to really relax and then notice, oh, wow, I'm chewing again. Oops. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was so much about bringing awareness, you know, into this. What am I actually doing without noticing it? Did you find yeah. it? And you, yes. And you mentioned, you know, the, this masseter muscle being connected to the anus. Yes. And I definitely do want to cover this. So, you know, anal dearmoring for men, I mean, really it's for anyone, but I want to just go here. What can that help with? What is that in service of? I know some of my clients have been really interested in that in part because you yes. think that it, it seems to me like we all hold a lot of tension everywhere. Yes. A lot of us hold extra tension yes. <laughs> because of shame. I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to that, you know, the de-armoring of the, the genitalia, mm -hmm. including the anus, what does that do for people? And what is that actually, what is that actually, what is it actually doing? Yes, um, a lot of things. Um, so there is a, what it usually does is, for example, for male-bodied persons who have issues with premature ejaculation, it works wonders because it, um, it is really working with the root, the base of yourself as an essence and of your sexuality. And when the foundation is there and there's peace around that and the deep rooting grounding in your own body, because it's so deep, like, I mean, it's the only sexual body opening of a male-bodied person. And at the same time, it is also the practice is that the practitioner uses um, fingers to go inside. So it's like a penetration, right? So being penetrated for a male-bodied person is really, really strong. And I can only recommend it for every male-bodied person on this planet to have this experience of being penetrated in terms of de-armoring. And um, then we have the prostate, uh, which uh, is that there's this like golden spot in the anus. So this is actually a portal to pleasure, which 
many male-bodied persons don't know about. So it might open the portal to have a complete different sexuality because um, it can unblock the energy in a way that sexual energy is usually in the conventional sex, like in the gender. So men are ejaculating. So And then energy goes out and then, you know, and... In the sex life, <laughs> I remember that phase. He's turning, he's finished, he's turning around, falling asleep, and I'm there like, okay, this was it. <laughs> so what happens if uh, we do it in the armoring? It might be that the energy is moving out of the genital area into the whole body. So full body energy orgasm is a complete different level. Instead of, boom, having an explosive uh, orgasm, and then it's done, and the energy is low, you can just have pleasure for hours and hours and hours, right? So if I could choose, I would always choose the hours of pleasure, <laughs> days, weeks, <laughs> instead of just a few seconds, right? So uh, lasting longer is the thing, right? Premature ejaculation, having a real deep relaxation and also owning sexuality to understand, okay, I'm in a male body and I am a sexual being and it's okay to have this like desires and to want to hunt and to do the you know, be, be, be like and connected with my animal. These are all parts that are beautiful and can be lived and it's okay. So there's no way why we should judge it or turn men into predators, you know. It's just natural and there are ways to live that. So it does a lot around that. Um, what else? Having a different sensation, I would say, instead of watching porn and like needing more and more impact to feel anything and in the end being completely numbed out, it can bring back a different sensitivity to the whole area. So the anus and exploring the prostate as a pleasure organ. Um, then um, the, um, the penis with everything around um, and then is the is the man circumcised or not you know because again circumcision there are you know different reasons to to do that but a lot of men or a lot of clients of mine it was not a beautiful process they have been taken somewhere and maybe they have been, has been no narcosis or something so there was a lot of pain while they were a little baby not even knowing what's happening and what is it doing it's removing erectile tissue which is so important. There are so many cells and sensors and receptors in it, you know, and then it brings a numbness and a different sensitivity. So a loss of sensitivity to this area. So also this can be addressed, bring sensitivity back. Uh, testicles also. So all of these pleasure areas are just waiting to be activated and all the stuck behaviors, the fear, the shame that I can't be sexual because, you know, then I'm being seen as this and that, that can turn into different behaviors. And the list goes on. So I could talk for hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious if you have, yeah, I'm curious if you, if you do have, male-bodied clients who come to you and say, sex doesn't really work for me. I I feel a lot of shame in pursuing people I want to have sex with. I just feel like I'm not good enough or um, why would she want me, right? So sort of self-esteem stuff around sexuality yeah. and I feel like I'm disgusting because I want sex, you know, that, that sense of, that sense of shame. Can you speak a little bit to clients who come to you with that and an anal dearmoring? I mean, dearmoring in general, like we said, it doesn't start there, but including that. And how do those clients respond in terms of homophobia? Homophobia is such mm -hmm. a pervasive part of yeah. culture all over the world. And I think there's there's just there's still, there's still so much homophobia. We've come a long way in some ways. And in some ways, there's just still a lot of, of homophobia. How, how does that work with clients? I imagine there might be a lot of fear or if I receive this or do this and I experience pleasure, does that mean that I'm gay? And then homophobia comes up again. You know, how, how does all of that work? Oh, the connection just broke. So 
So I didn't hear what you were saying in the, the last. Oh, OK. Where did you? Homophobia. And then it got interrupted. OK. So how do you handle clients where, you know, they they know that they want to address their sexual shame. They know that they want to overcome their sexual issues and anal dearmoring is probably going to be part of the process and mm-hmm. they're scared or they're nervous. If I do this and I experience pleasure, mm-hmm. does that mean that I'm gay and, and addressing, addressing homophobia? How do you address that in this practice? Yes. Um, that's a really good point. And then the advantage is that, is that I'm a female practitioner. So it's less charge as if I would be a male practitioner. You know, that's like the next level of uh, walking the, the way of unshaming myself. Um, so conversation in this case is really, really important. And um, there are two aspects. One is the aspect of brotherhood and sisterhood you know what it means to live in this life go through life in a male body what does it mean to walk through life in a female body and how are we perceive perceiving other humans uh like when i'm coming into a room and i see a, a woman and she's triggering me and i think oh my gosh she's so beautiful and i'm not i'm, I'm going into the competition loop and it's still happening for me even after years of of healing. So before I was just making myself smaller. These days I go there and I say, you know what? I find you really beautiful. Would you, can I share something with you? And then we figure out that the, the, the other woman has the same, exactly the same mirrored feelings, right? So that's the way for a male-bodied person to be with this understanding. Yes, I'm coming into a space where there are other men and I see them as competitors, And uh, we are competing around women. And um, just this healing of uh, being and sharing thoughts about sexuality, being with brotherhood, being with starting to enjoy being touched by a different male-bodied person, that's the huge piece. So that could be a, a homework I'm giving them. I'm saying, like, get yourself a dear friend and see how does it feel when you really hug someone? you know and it's not sexual so that's number one and number two is um normalizing all body parts like the anus is just a body part as my eye is actually so it it doesn't have to do anything so why is it okay to touch someone in the face but not in the anus and why are we receiving a foot massage but no genital massage i mean there's no why are we neglecting our own body parts and saying hey this is a body part and there's actually this beautiful pleasure organ inside so and you didn't know about it why not using it you know (laughs) and then it's really going slow really really going slow and my clients are experiencing so much pleasure in the sessions already and they are surprising themselves so coming back to this always does this feel good yeah it's like this actually feels good i would not have thought that and then having a later a closing conversation saying okay how was that yeah but that was really good having this curiosity and saying okay do you think you're gay now it's like no why (laughs) like really seeing how weird it is to have this conditioning to see it's i am not that it's just something society has taught me you know like releasing that so it's a combination of everything working with the body feeling the pleasure feeling safe and then coming to what or where are these thoughts coming from you know it's like what's actually happening it's a little bit bizarre right yeah. <laughs> and I know we've been focusing on the male body and I I do just want to touch on the the armoring for female bodies too mm-hmm. because you know a lot of my clients are single and and a lot of my clients are in marriages or in relationships and sexual trauma is very common. Sexual trauma is very common for everyone. Yes. And I've worked extensively with both male-bodied people and female-bodied people that have that in their background. And and I would say a decent number of my clients are partnered with women with sexual trauma. Can you speak a little bit about 
de-armoring for female bodies? And do you often work with couples where you're helping both of them with, with de-armoring? And what does that look like? Yes. So for female-bodied persons, um, there is usually most of the armor, surprisingly, around the entrance of the vagina. Um, and this is like every time when we as female-bodied persons have let someone enter us and there was not a 100% consent, uh, it just goes there. And it starts usually with the first uh, first time being penetrated, with losing virginity. So there is so much in that area. This is just one little spot where I can hold my finger and then it's just breathing and just a very, very soft touch. And then there's so much to release with just waiting and breathing through it. And when you um, sit release, I would imagine many of your clients start crying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When yes. you, you're saying the word release, there's a lot of emotional Crying. content that's yes. moving of just that you maybe didn't even know was there. Yes. And it's crying. It's a lot of sadness. It's grief about what we have let happen to ourselves. And that's about the part when we are adults and we are violating our own consent by letting things happen to us because we don't know yet what consent in an embodied sense really is. And of course, it's all the pain of the times when we uh, experience trauma in the sense of we were a victim and something has been done to us. That's why this I am in charge as the receiver of the army is so important because we turn this whole thing around of nothing is being done to me. I am safe here and I decide. Totally different from, you know, the trauma we experience when we're little boys and little girls. Um, yes. Um, other areas, it's of course inside of the of the vagina or we say yoni from the tantric uh, point of view and um, yeah the wound space of course the cervix is like the portal to full body energy orgasm cervical orgasm is something beyond really it's like really hard to describe if if women have never experienced it is like a whole universe of pleasure unity divine Oh my gosh. And um, the cervix is an area which stores so much. And a lot of women already have so much pain during penetration. So then it's like, no, don't go too deep. And this is hurting and this and this. And usually it's the cervix. And the cervix is like a mystical area in the body. as Also the prostate area, they are kind of mystical. So... <laughs> Working with that and inviting both, like the cervix is also changing the position during the cycle of, of, of a woman, right? Like inviting the cervix to say, hey, come here. This is okay. Breathe into it. And then feeling the cervix the first time, you know, feeling the prostate and pleasure point the first time. These are revelations already. Yeah, and a lot of women are not connected to their womb or their cervix space. So also just bringing the awareness, there is something, okay, and it's energetically there and also physical, you know, and emotional. And I noticed that couples can come to mm -hmm. their retreats and they can work solely with each other yes. is what I saw as well. So there's a lot of different ways to do this kind of thing. And I'm curious in, in the retreat space, are you teaching each partner how to help the other with de-armoring or is that reserved for practitioners? <laughs> um, so the trainings or retreats are um, structured in a way that people are giving and receiving the armoring sessions every day. So we, have, we first explain the whole like theory, anatomy, everything they need to know. Then we have a demo with one of the assistants to so really show on the body how it works with all the process involved and releases usually. And then people pick a partner. And for couples, it's usually in a way when they decide to come to a training together. Before every session space, uh, we check in with them and say, okay, couples first. So how, where are you at in this moment? Uh, maybe it's good if you do the session together or maybe it's good if you have the session with someone else. 
um, especially, for example, working around the heart area, you know, if we are in a relationship and we are unhappy and unsatisfied, then, and there's so much grief or working with anger, it's better to not do that with a partner in the, in the training. So you do it with someone else and get support and in the end come together because it really releases us from the space of expectations. This is my partner has to heal me. I have to support. You should have. Then we're having all this, the whole languaging is changing. And um, yes, in the end, anyway, it's better to have as many different session partners as possible because you can work with different energies and different themes. And for every day when we are having a certain theme in the DRMing, there will be the perfect like session partner in the training because on some day when you feel super vulnerable and like about to fall apart you have no idea how to do all of this life feels like a complete mess nothing is working it's good to pick the person that feels the most safe you know and then there might be a brave day when you're like yes i've been releasing so much yesterday i really want to go for it and there's just it's bubbling and i have so much anger already you know, then maybe use someone who's triggering you to get that out and use that energy of the person because it's transpersonal. It's not about who I'm working with. It's just about which energies are flowing here. So, yes, it's checking in at any time for, for a couple and also in individual sessions. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as we start to wrap up, I'm wondering if you can share like a success story of a couple, either a couple or a solo person, but someone that you've worked with recently that's memorable in terms of what they came in to address and then how that ended up in their lives. Yes. So one of the, of my most favorite success stories is, um, happened also in the training and, uh, yes. So a male bodied person, <laughs> And uh, he was uh, um, working as a stuntman. And um, that means that his profession was to actually take pain into his body. So there has not been a single bone in his body that has not been broken in the last 20 years before. And we were working with a theme of really a strong emotional release, um, which could be anger. So where's the psoas muscle and anger and fear? Of course, they are so close together. And uh, he asked, okay, Sunny, can you come and support me in this? And I was like, okay, I come. I'll do the session with you. And uh, we were sitting there. And then he was like, okay, you can give me a lot of pain. I can take a lot. Of like something feels really off here and I was about to touch him and then I had like such a no in my body I got goosebumps and I was like this this is not, not happening I can't do it I feel like I'm raping someone or it's something like I'm violating someone and uh, <laughs> so in the end he received a de-arm ring just through presence because he went through phases of no you have to do it and then of course the sense of entitlement he's in the training he pays for it i am the practitioner i have to give him but i was not doing it i was just sitting there and looking at him and at some point he understood there's nothing in a physical sense happening and then he just melted in front of my eyes he completely melted and he cried the first time for i don't know 10 years or 15 years and he cried and cried and cried and cried so the armoring through presence Pain body, understanding that there's not much more pain coming. There's just listening and being allowed to be. So wrapping it up, the success story is that in the end, he transformed his job. So he did something else. And um, he um, <laughs> is in a happy relationship. So before he just had this like fuck buddies, I would say. And um, he was able to really create intimacy because he completely softened up and um, he saw his own beauty and really received this because he had this belief he's ugly and he's not allowed to do. And, and all these things just melted away by having someone who's holding space with a strong intention. So that was, was one of the most beautiful stories. I loved so much. That's really powerful. I, I like that the, I think what calls to my attention in that is your attunement to the moment, what was actually needed in the moment. And that 
isn't always what we think it is. So it's not always what the person is saying. I want this, do this. And, and that's, what's complex about attunement because I think a lot of us think, well, if they're telling me to, then that's the right thing to do. And that deeper level of the whole system, not just the words, but the body, the body that's saying the words, it, it's not always aligned. And that slowing down, just slowing down and honoring like something doesn't feel right here. I'm just going to take a moment before I act. And then that slowing down of continuing to just take that moment of this mm-hmm. still doesn't feel right to touch you. It still doesn't feel right to, to do this, that, that allowed for that space. Yes. That's a grace that can be offered in attuned partnerships as well, right? The attunement to what my partner is actually needing and slowing down to make space for that. It feels like there's something really important about slowing down. Yes. A lot of successful somatic work I have experienced involves slowing down, not speeding up or pushing through, but slowing down mm-hmm. the speed of the actual moment, which is yes. often slower than Western culture goes at. We go at a very fast pace and that yes. lot gets missed when we do and, that. And there's also a lot about really clearing the space like having a very clean container and say, okay, if you are coming as a couple, it's like, this is for you now. So I'm dedicating my time and space to support you in this session. And the other one is like, okay, and this is for me. So I'll be receiving, like dropping all the expectations, you know, and go on a journey of curiosity together, of supporting each other and not mixing it all up and slowing down. And then for couples, it's very often also identifying where is my sense of me as an individual in this relationship and not this, you know, this when couples are talking and then they are only using we. So we, we, we. So who is we? Yeah, Have I lost myself in this relationship? So we have, we do this. And how about coming back to yourself and then meet from a different cleaner space? And the armoring is is doing a lot about this, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, and then also really juicing up the sex life again. So for couples, it's usually if the expectations are gone, the space is clear, they have learned how to slow down and then they are meeting each other, put a little bit of juicy consent practice and a bit of playfulness on top. And um, yeah. So sex life, the bedroom is going to be very active again. You know? Or it might also be that uh, in this whole process, they figure out that it's not a match. And then they maybe um, separate from each other, but from a clean space, from an honest space, as humans who have still love for each other and the past are, you know, parting in this way. So thank you for teaching me this. Thank you for helping me to come back to myself. I love you as a human and um, I need something different because that's my truth. You know, the armoring is really cutting through the bullshit and coming to the truth in the whole process because it's about everything. It's about the body. It's about life, about what do you really want in life? How much pleasure do you allow yourself? How do you want to have that? Oh, I love that. That That's a great place to, to close. <laughs> I think that there's something beautiful about the flow of energy and the flow of and sex and sexuality ultimately has to do with life, life force, life flow, right? However, whatever words we use there and that serves us in every way. It's not just about that one area. It's about holistically life. How are we taking in life? How are we giving our lives? How are we loving, living? It's all, it's all connected. And when you do deal with the blocks when you do help the energy flow then you got flowing energy and that feels really good it's about aliveness not just about sex so yes feeling alive in my own body feeling alive with my partner and my relationship it's everything you know that's quality 
And we have this amazing body. Why not being in the body and enjoying it? And it's just a, so much pleasure to waiting to be explored, you know. <laughs> so if people are interested in your work, where can they find you? Um, through my website. Uh, it's sunnyju.com. Mm. And um, I'm at the moment I'm in Mexico and I'm, I'll be going back to Europe uh, in, uh, I think, early June. And um, I'm offering, uh, I, I call it clarity call. So 20, 30 minutes free call to just figure out, okay, what is needed? How can I support? Do people want to come to my training? Do they want to have a session? Or maybe I have a recommendation where to go, where to start, you know? And, um, and then we go from there because it's, uh, there's no like program or concept. It's really so individual, you know? Perfect. And I want to say thank you for the work that you do, because I do think that it frees, frees a lot of people, mm. free people. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me here. This was such a pleasure <laughs> Mel, to talk with you and, and share this and, uh, we could have a 10 hours podcast so easily, you know, just go on and go through all the details. But uh, this was, I think, a beautiful wrap up about what it is and what it can do, right? The armoring as a healing modality. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Hey guys, this is Mel. And this is Jason. You've probably heard me on at least a few episodes by now. And we coach together in part because we know that it's when the masculine and the feminine come together that we are the most powerful. So we wanted to let you know about a free training that we put together for you guys. It's about how to take back control of your love life. We are absolutely inspired to help guys like you take all of the amazing ideas that Mel has introduced to you on this podcast and actually put them into practice, bring them into your life to create lasting change. So if you're interested in that, just go to evolutionary.men slash training to sign up. If you've been looking for a way to go a little bit deeper than just this podcast, this is the opportunity for you. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash training, and you're going to get a much deeper dive with Mel and I.